Massachusetts gets closer to adult use recreational legalization of cannabis. An NFL player petitions the league to ask for an exemption in their policy regarding cannabis use. And YouTube bans cannabis videos. What's up with that? Is that net neutrality in action? Hi, everyone. Welcome to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, now brought to you by Revolutionary Clinics in Somerville, the cannabis education leader in medical marijuana dispensaries conveniently located at 67 Broadway in Somerville. They have industry experts on staff, regular weeknight workshops and seminars, and best of all, parking is free and plentiful. A reminder that the In the Weeds podcast is available on video and on demand, just an audio version, a podcast, if you will, on the clnsmedia.com website under the lifestyle section. Maggie Kinsella is the press secretary for masscan.org, the Massachusetts Cannabis Reform Coalition, and the state affiliate of Normal, the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws. Maggie, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. Hey, we're going to have some talk. We're going to talk about weed. We're going to talk about cannabis. We're going to talk about the NFL. There's so much stuff to talk about. But first off, I have to give you congratulations because I know that the battle for the legalization of cannabis in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts was an ongoing battle that started years ago. Can you walk me through that process a little bit? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, I'm actually very new to this still. Um, I've really only been around for the last four years. Um, I've been with MassCan for just about three years now. Um, so I know that they this organization has been around for uh, 30 years now. Um, we'll be celebrating our 29th annual Boston Freedom Rally in September, which is a great way to get to know us and what we do. Um, but yeah, this started a long time ago with, uh, good folks that we still actually have on the board, like Bill Downing and Linda Noel. Um, and you know, it basically starts with gathering signatures and talking to the folks in town and being grassroots. Um, and I wish they were here. They could have spoken a little bit more to that. Um, you can check that out on the about us on our masscan.org website and kind of read through that process. Um, but recently, 2016, we passed the question four, uh, which was on the ballot. So Massachusetts chose to actually go forward with legalization. So now as an organization, our goals are what do we do now that it's legal? So here we That's are. right. And here we are. And that, and that question, what do we do now that it's legal, uh, is it, still ongoing because even yes. though the Cannabis Convi Commission wrote the laws and regulations that will guide the rolling out of this billion-dollar industry, we all recognize that uh, anytime you do something new, there's going to be changes. There's, you're going to have to adapt and improvise to various things that come up that you didn't, that Colorado or Washington State or, or California or some of the other legal states uh, had to, uh, we, we, Massachusetts is looking toward those states and their experience to guide them, but there are still things that might still come up unique to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts too, right? I mean, that's going to happen. You know it is. Absolutely, yes. And each state is kind of unique in its own right because, you know, even though we're in the same country, we're all very different depending on the location. Uh, Massachusetts, I feel, is unique in that, you know, we weren't necessarily the first ones right out of the gate, but I feel that we will lead, 
cannabis industry as far as um, you know medical goes I, I hope to see us be the first state to keep our medical program um, when you say keep it I know that's one of the things that the commission was really adamant about was we want to make sure that the supply for those who use this medicinally will still be in place and I believe they came up with a 35 percent uh, figure correct and so each dispensary if you will, a medical dispensary, even though some of them have gotten recreational licenses too, uh, they have to keep that amount of percent on hand of their whole field, their whole inventory, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, to protect those who use it medicinally. Like myself, I am a card-carrying member of and have been part of the program since its inception in Massachusetts because I suffer from arthritis among other ailments. Okay, let's just stop right there Keep it simple. because I know people do not want me to talk about my body. Trust me on that. Uh, anyway, back to uh, Massachusetts and the uniqueness. One of the things that is unique that the commission did put off because they're really not sure what to do with it is the development of what they're calling cannabis clubs. Can you talk a little bit about what the delay is? Why do you think this is? They really can't base it on anything because it's a new idea. Yes? Um, we would like to keep considering it as a new idea, um, but I think we need to step away from the mindset that it's new. It's just new to the legal side of things. We have been illicitly partaking in these activities regardless of what the laws have said previously. So all we're doing is saying we would like to be protected now that it's legal in enjoying this the same way that someone would go to a bar and enjoy a drink with their friend. And I feel that a lot of the hesitation is not only fear-based, it's misinformation-based. And I think with the new information, a lot of people immediately attack it or use it to further their argument that we should be doing this slowly. And that's wrong because we're not using our critical thinking skills to question what it is these articles are saying or even going to the bottom of the page and seeing this article is actually inconclusive (laughs) don't Mm -hmm. use this in your statistical analysis right so um you know i'm hoping that you know we can see more reporters come to these events that we are practicing legally in um the summit lounge is a great place that has been doing this um in worcester yep in worcester and um chief and judith have a great location in i believe roslindale Um, So there's definitely people that have these events going on and they're doing it in a private club manner so that we can do it legally. And, um, you know, we just haven't really seen it get taken a step further than having to go through a private club smokers lounge style. Yeah. Let's talk about the smoking just for a second. There are so many different ways. And as I talk to so many people, either at the New England Cannabis Convention or or in the studio, I've learned so much about this. There's so many different ways to ingest the cannabis product, whether that is the flower, the bud, the traditional um, herb, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, and then you smoke that. Now, you can also vape that in various vaping devices for dry flower. Um, You can ingest it through edibles. And everybody has an edible story, and we can get into that a little bit if you'd like. I mean, because I think if there's one thing about education is everyone has to understand that less is a very good way to start. 
Okay, as, as little as possible for as large an effect as possible is kind of the mantra of the industry. And I support that 100 percent. And um, but back back to the clubs, why couldn't there be some kind of an ordinance? And I don't like cigarette smoking or cigar smoking. Um, I certainly don't want to say it should be banned totally. I, I believe that a human being can do whatever they want to their own bodies. And if that means enjoying a cigarette or enjoying a cigar, that's fine. I have no problem with it. You know, last time I checked, we are still a free country, even though some may debate that. <laughs> Whoops. There goes my pop screen. By the way, I am notorious for using my hands when I talk. And that's Are you one... Italian? No, I am not. Wow. Uh, I'm Jewish, which is probably the same thing if you get right down to it. Um, anyway, bottom line on this is if we were to allow clubs to do vaping and edibles, would that not be the a compromise, if you will, as opposed to saying, oh, we want to light up and, and smoke a joint or do a bong hit or something like that. I mean, is that not an option? Is that something that they've even talked about or even know about? So I would definitely say it is an option. I don't, I can't speak for the commission mm -hmm. on how they feel about it. I, By the way, I have asked Stephen Hoffman to come on this show. Good, good. I hope they all come on I, here. Well, I don't, I don't think I can fit them all in <laughs> here, but one at a time would be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. <laughs> Personal interview. Yeah. Um, I think that just the topic of edibles alone freaks people out. Mm -hmm. And one, they don't understand their endocannabinoid system. Right. And that's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. We don't even learn about it in Western medicine. So getting your medical degree does not include learning about this system. Two, that system is still being discovered. Three, understanding how you use these different methods of consumption is really important. And when it comes down to it, edibles and vaping are going to be more concentrated forms. Um, edibles is a little different because there's a slightly different chemical reaction in your liver versus ingesting it through your respiratory system or even topically. Um, you know, or even a tincture. Um, so, you know, understanding those different areas will help you, will help them feel better about doing a location that's vaping or edibles. I think that starting with smoking is probably going to be the first thing just because we can compare that to tobacco and hookah lounges where that's already established. In private clubs, you can have a smoking I don't know what type of license it is or how that works, but you can have a, an establishment where you can smoke inside. Mm -hmm. The problem is that does include cigarettes. Right. Um, and I'm also bothered by it. I was a cigarette smoker. I quit using cannabis and now they just, it makes me nauseous. Um, mm -hmm. But so that's kind of the double-edged sword with having a private lounge using cannabis is that you also are allowing uh, cigarettes. At least I know one location is. Um, there are a lot of variables. There a ton are a of variables. lot of variables. Yes. So it's not yes. as cut and dry. And who knows what is going to be the end result. And, and again, I, because it's such a new industry, there's going to be some tweaking to the rules and regulations. There just has to be. Yes. Um, there's been a common theme about everything you've talked about so far, and it's the, the word education. Yes. Uh, right now, there you are still fighting that battle. You are still fighting the stigma. You're still fighting the uh, fact that it's federally illegal. It is in the, in my opinion, the the wrong schedule uh, federally, and I hope in the next few months or even years, whatever it takes, that will get changed. But that being said, those are facts. Mm -hmm. What either can you do with a Massachusetts normal group, 
Or I even think I read somewhere that the commission now has a budget item for educational purposes to create some kind of a public service campaign. To me, that is going to be key to getting people to understand the benefits of this particular plant. Absolutely. Yes. And I hope to see that um, start as soon as possible. I would love it if they used um, Little Park Media. That's what they want to use. They want to use Little Park Media. Yes, they should use Little Park Media. Absolutely. (laughs) Because we're going to need the radio broadcasting. We're going to need a lot of in-person too, and that's where um, you know Maskin has the education village that um, you know Catherine Rifkin kind of started. She's on the clerk for Maskin, and it's a great idea and a great um, you know it goes over basically everything that you'd really want to know about cannabis from start to finish. We have a ten thousand year relationship with this plant. We have a hundred years of whatever the heck that we are currently trying to get ourselves out of. Mm -hmm. Um, So within that very small amount of time, you saw people's perspectives completely change, and now we're trying to unwind that. And so with the Education Village, it can be very interactive when it comes to just the pictures and the visuals that we have um, that people can walk around and look at, read quotes, um, you know, kind of get smacked with a little reality on how it even became a prohibited substance and the racism behind it and we just go through all the details including using it spiritually recreationally um you know being responsible and activism and how important it is for people to speak up about their cannabis use and and you know what they know right and of course uh, a lot of the stuff that they know was based on uh propaganda uh, put out there by, I believe it was William Randolph Hearst and his yellow journalism. He was behind the Reefer Madness production, and uh, the government was involved with that. It had a lot to do with prohibition, and I have actually written a column about the fact that in 1937, the wrong drug was named illegal. Alcohol is 114 times more toxic than cannabis, and now science is. and research is leading the way, not opinions of crazy hippies and old hippies and, you know, crazy drug users. No, it's by you and me and others that have have used and seen the benefits of this over the years. Um, How important, obviously, is science and research to trying to counter this stigma that's been in place for literally hundreds of years? Well, it's extremely important, uh, science and research, but it's more important now than ever to question the science and research that's coming out because you're going to see articles that completely contradict what the anecdotal evidence, uh, you know, claims. And they'll have solid-looking research, but, you know, it really comes down to the wording of that research and, um, you know, how passive the argument is. Um, You know, pay attention to words like may seem to possibly you sound like be, a lawyer now right yeah so this is what science is and, and being able to go in because you know we we did a, a panel in east bridgewater and a woman shouted cannabis causes testicular cancer and as professional as we were through that entire thing as we could be we all yelled at that point and it's funny because i actually know what article she's talking about and it's a it's a PubMed article and it's so passive it's like how can anyone take this seriously when you actually read through it and read how passive and open-ended and inconclusive it actually is. And then you go further to read the bias of the people involved in the article. Um, and it's just, it, you see the rabbit hole that you go down. So not only is science important, but it's important to 
understand the science you're reading because we still have misinformation being, you know, flushed in. <laughs> and that's just about cannabis. I yeah, mean, that's, let's, yeah, that's just right? cannabis. I mean, that's just cannabis. Other. There's a lot of other things out there that are misinformation and fake. And yep. I really try to keep politics out of it. But politics does play a big role in this. And In the Weeds is a podcast produced at the studios of Little Park Media in Wellesley, Massachusetts, for the listening enjoyment of our audience. None of the opinions or advice on this program should be considered medical advice or a substitute for seeing a certified medical marijuana practitioner or your local physician. All opinions and thoughts on this show do not necessarily represent the management of CLNS Media Group or Little Park Media.